Welcome to episode 8 of the LearnerPrivacy.org podcast. This episode is going to be positive and upbeat and talk about an area of learner privacy that I'm pretty happy with. And it might come as a surprise to you where I actually find this happiness in cloud-based educational technology products. Up to now, in episodes 1 through 7, I've been trying to raise a concern for a possible privacy apocalypse and encourage you to take action to protect student privacy before a major loss of student learning data happens. Because once private data is lost, it can never be truly recaptured. Data is not like a dog that you can get back as long as you have a chip installed and a phone number on the dog's collar. But hey, this episode is supposed to be positive and upbeat. So I see learner privacy through the lens of a faculty member because that's what I am. Some of the technology I'm provided by my university scares me from a privacy perspective, and I make choices how I use the various provided technologies in my teaching to limit the amount of private learner data I'm forcing students to hand over to these cloud providers to earn a grade in my class. One of the technologies that I really love to use that I feel is doing a pretty good job of, of student private data is Zoom. Yes, Zoom. Everybody's mad at Zoom. I like Zoom. Of course, with a need to do more and more online because of pandemic, we inevitably substitute face-to-face -face interaction with Zoom. I would first observe that real-time interactive multi-way video communication plus screen sharing is a very heavy technological lift and one that is much harder than, say, maintaining a browser-based web application like an LMS. The browsers make a lot of rules and change the rules about the best technology and protocols used to originate and receive video in browsers and mobile applications. It changes all the time. And you kind of need a well-funded company to keep up with these twi technological twists and turns and keep things running smoothly at scale. There are lots of things that I really wish that schools would insource, but video conferencing is probably a little difficult to completely insource. But then, given that if we're going to outsource it, we need to understand how this external service can be used wisely in ways that do our best job of protecting students' private data. The first and most important choice, I think, with Zoom is whether or not to force students to turn on their video and, and have their real names in the Zoom recording. Are you really going to take attendance in Zoom sessions? Are you really going to call students out by name? If your teaching pedagogy can possibly avoid forcing students to continuously reveal their identities in hours of recorded videos, please do that. We teachers should teach and not be truant officers. And make sure there are other lines of communication like email or phones for students to handle sensitive communications about issues that come up in the course. In general, Face-to-face -face lectures, discussions, and office hours are at best semi-private already. If you're a student sitting in a lecture hall, another student or even someone in the public walking by might glance in and see you. A random passerby, though, does not get a text representation of every student's name in the lecture. But if a student asks a question, someone in the hallway might hear them. In my classes, I try to replicate that semi-private environment where it's clear when a student is doing something that might require revealing who they are. Because all students see themselves in the Zoom user interface, they kind of implicitly understand what's being recorded, and they can see for themselves whatever representation they and the other students are sharing with whomever, whomever might be viewing the video or, or viewing a recording of the video. 
implicit notification is really an important part of any type of gathering of private information of students. And so I, I think the Zoom does a great job of it implicitly notifying because what's being recorded is exactly what the student is seeing. Also, when I'm teaching, I make sure to ask for any questions or issues before I start the beginning of the recording and after I finish the end of the recording so students can always delay their question so it's during a non-recorded portion of the Zoom session for students who want a little more privacy. I understand that some faculty really need to interact with every student by name. I hope that's for smaller courses only. Thankfully I teach courses where I don't feel a need to single out any student or monitor student attentiveness during my lectures. But in addition to the decisions that a professor makes while making any recording, the campus IT organization can make data retention decisions in Zoom as well. I am really happy that my campus IT organization made a decision to auto-expire any recorded Zoom video after a few months. After a class has been finished and i kind of forgotten about it and I'm in the summer, I start getting automated messages from Zoom saying, Unless I take specific action, each recording will be deleted. I never really choose to extend any recording. I just let it get deleted. What makes me happy about getting this email, and every time I get the email, I'm really happy. It's a crucial element of privacy about how long data is retained. Per the GDPR and other privacy frameworks, data should only be retained when there's a business purpose to retain it and it must be up to the institution to use the levers and knobs to control data retention. And our software providers, like Zoom, have got to give us the tools to control the expiration of data. And I think it's important, don't assume that professors like me who cause the data to be created will be careful and remember to delete the data because we forget. The best strategy is delete by default with notification. Again, as a professor, I can keep anything but if I do nothing, it's automatically deleted. If, on the other hand, a company finds value in our private student data and they want to keep our data to mine it later for their own business intelligence, that's wrong, flatly wrong. Their job is to manage data according to our wishes and do exactly as we direct. They don't get the chance to have a direct interest in our data. And luckily, or at least I hope this is true, Zoom is quite happy to throw away our recordings because they take up a lot of space and they'll throw it away and save some money. Now, if there were a company with designs on student data embedded in lecture recordings, and I don't think Zoom does this, they could keep a downsampled copy or something like that or maybe a, a transcript, um, which again would be doing something we're not asking them to do and therefore, in my opinion, running afoul of good privacy practices. But I want this episode of my podcast to be mostly positive, so I'm just going to say I'm happy that Zoom seems to currently take a very responsible approach to retention of recorded sessions that include private learner data. Further, my institution's IT organization has done a good job in configuring Zoom data retention policy in a way that I think respects and protects the privacy of learner data in the long run. It's, it's actually just not that difficult to do privacy right software providers and schools need to want to do it right. And if the provider wants to do it right and the school wants to do it right and the provider gives us features and the school configures the features, we can do the best we can do and keep data only as long and only the kind of data that we need for the real business purposes of teaching and learning. 
And right now, I feel pretty good about how I have been using Zoom for the last two years to move some of my face-to-face -face classes online. Cheers. Thank you for watching this episode of the LearnerPrivacy.org podcast.